the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, who were in their boats mending the nets. Immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired, hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In seminary, I was a part of the LSTC improv troupe. And I did this because I thought that trying something like improv, something that was outside of my comfort zone and performative, I thought that it would help me develop my presence, my speaking presence, particularly as a preacher. And looking back on it, maybe it did move the needle of my preaching ever so slightly. But I got to admit, I was terrible at improv. Maybe a more generous way of saying it is that I was much more of a physical comedian than a quick, witty thinker with my words. In fact, whenever it was my turn to speak during a scene, I had a terrible habit of freezing up. My mind would just go blank and needless to say, it would result in awkward moments for my other cast members who had to wait for me to do something, which usually just came out in the form of a funny face or a spastic movement with my body. It did very little to forward the scene along or the story, but my seminary friends, they were gracious enough to receive whatever I had to offer and to subsequently yes and whatever it was. But when I look back on those times doing improv, it's not the embarrassment that I dwell on. It's the more amazing moments when something amazing would happen during a scene. And some of those most amazing moments were when somebody would do a callback. And a callback is a joke that refers to a previous joke that was told earlier in the set. And it was always so brilliant when somebody would find a way to weave one of those earlier jokes back into the current scene. It's like this full circle moment. And I was always in awe whenever someone in the troupe was able to be quick enough to have that mind to call back a joke that way. Now, despite my inability to come up with any callbacks when I did improv, I do have a callback for you today. And it's actually a callback from my sermon from last week. It's a line that I mentioned in my sermon that was actually preached by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. A line saying this, the old order is passing away. Almost word for word, Paul uses that exact same phrase this week 
when he writes in his letter to the Corinthians, the present form of this world is passing away. This callback, as I was preparing for this sermon, seemed too important to ignore. So let's just take a moment to dig into this line for a moment. And before we get to catastrophic thinking in our heads, as we think of the old order or the present form of this world passing away, I want you to notice that neither King nor Paul used the phrase to fill us with fear as if the world itself was passing away. Just that the old order or the present form of this world are passing away. And that's an important distinction because often when I think of things changing or something dying, I think of it as, it's, as though it's disappearing when really it's just experiencing transformation. And thinking in terms like this with our current situation, our American reality, we have heard politicians and pundits talk about how the other politician or the other party will mean death for America or even more death for our world. And these fear-mongering images, they convince us almost that we must fight and sometimes even fight violently to preserve what we have. But neither King nor Paul are trying to elicit fear or a violent response when they speak of the old order or the present form of this world passing away. Instead, their words are an invitation to hope, to hope that another form of our world is possible or a new order of our world is possible beyond the pain and struggle that we are currently experiencing. Connecting King's words and Paul's words to the current moment even more, I heard an echo of their sentiments in the possibility of Amanda Gorman's poem, The Hill We Climb, that she recited at the presidential inauguration on Wednesday, where she said this. So while once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We will not march back to what was, but move to what shall be. A country that is bruised but whole, benevolent but bold, fierce and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation. Our blunders become their burdens. But one thing is certain, if we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. Wow. Those words as they were spoken on Wednesday reverberated deep to the core of my being. I found myself filled with a new hope, dreaming of that day that poet Amanda Gorman describes when mercy will indeed be merged with might and might with right and that love will then become our legacy and change our children's birthright. Not stasis, but change. Dear people, the old order and the present form of this world are passing away, but that is good news. God is doing a new thing in our midst. And we are co-creators with God in this new thing. We hear the invitation in our gospel of Mark today. 
Jesus invites Simon and Andrew and James and John to follow him, and he will make them fish for people. And this line, to become fishers of people, it's become traditionally understood as our charge as Christians to evangelize other people, to reel them in to this life of following Jesus too. And I can roll with that to some extent. I want others to experience the grace and love of Jesus as well. But I think there's more to that invitation than just creating more Christians or Christ followers. In one of my favorite books, Binding the Strongman, a political reading of Mark's story of Jesus, author Ched Myers says this about Jesus's invitation to fish for people. He says, there is perhaps no expression more traditionally misunderstood than Jesus's invitation to these workers to become fishers of men. This metaphor, despite the grand old tradition of missionary interpretation, does not refer to the quote unquote saving of souls as if Jesus were conferring upon these men instant evangelist status. Rather, the image is carefully chosen from Jeremiah 16.16, where it's used as a symbol of Yahweh's censure of Israel. Elsewhere, the hooking of fish is a euphemism for judgment upon the rich and powerful from Amos and Ezekiel. So taking this mandate for his own, Jesus is inviting the common folk to join him in his struggle to overturn the existing order of power and privilege. Dear people, many today are suffering because of racism, classism, sexism, ableism, queerphobia. These are all systems of power and privilege that give preference to some at the expense of others. Our scriptures today, combined with the words of contemporary prophets like the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Poet Laureate Amanda Gorman, they inspire us to hope for a day when these old orders and this present form of our world will pass away. And then Jesus invites us as his disciples to participate in making the new reality, that new dream, a new reality for all. Equipped with our very own fish hooks, we are invited to pull down the mighty from their thrones and lift up the lowly. So I ask, how is God equipping you and inviting you into this new reality? Where is God resurrecting new life from the places in which the old order or the current form of this world are passing away? What is your role in all of it? Let us discern our changes to reality with hope. Our psalm today reminds us that it is for God alone that we wait in silence. That's discernment right there in a nutshell. But with our hope on God, our rock and our salvation, we shall not be shaken, no matter how much the present form of this world is passing away. Because even at the grave of the old order, we wait for God with trust because God is doing a new thing. And we not only trust God, but God trusts us and 
invites us through Jesus to follow and to fish for people. So with this charge before us, I leave with you the final lines of Amanda Gorman's poem. When day comes, we step outside of the shade, aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it, for there is always light. If only enough, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Amen.